It has taken everything in my power not to talk about this theme, and so I'm glad that we finally get to talk about it. Um, as you guys know, for uh, our vision every year, we get together as elders in October, usually around October, sometimes September, uh, but we get together and we fast and we pray, and it was actually really uh, difficult this year uh, as far as just... Uh, keeping in because we felt like for me i felt like the lord had given us the vision all the way back in like i think it was april for our staff retreat and so we got this theme and we were like i was like let's do it you know like i was really excited and colin wisely was like hey i think the lord might be saving this for 2018 i'm like oh You make me wait like, I gotta wait like eight months for this? Oh no. And so, uh, it has been really awesome just for this to kind of sit and stir within our hearts and our minds as we're seeking to understand this and live this out and then also, uh, get to, to share this with you. And so as you can see, our, our theme is, is bless. Right, and the whole idea of of blessing it comes from the scriptures it comes in in Genesis and the idea behind this is that we are called to be a missional people right that, that God calls us not simply to save us from something but to save us into something right God calls us from darkness into light and he calls us from not having a purpose to having a purpose and so he calls us to be a people that go forth on mission Right, that we have a purpose in our lives and for what we're doing. Right, God didn't just save us and we're just fiddling our thumbs, waiting until he brings us up to heaven. Right, God has saved us and he said, now I've called you to carry forth my mission into this world. And so first and foremost, what we're doing with BLESS is simply clear, helping to clarify what our mission is and how we accomplish that mission. Because if we're not a missional people, hear this, if we're not a missional people, if we're not driven by the mission of God, then this theme is going to do nothing for you. It's not going to do anything for you. Instead, what it's going to do is it's going to fill your head with another acronym that you might be able to spout out to somebody. It's going to give you maybe a little bit more knowledge, but practically, you're going to hear this, and maybe you get excited for a couple weeks, but then you're going to be back in the same place, kind of saying, oh, man, and you're going to get drifted apart into whatever it was that was occupying your time before. And so, man, I can't emphasize this enough, is that this year, Hopefully the Lord, if you're not already walking in mission with him, the Lord is going to set your heart ablaze to be on mission with what he's doing in this world. Jesus talks about, he says, when he's talking to his disciples in John 4, and he says, I have food that you know nothing about. The, the food that satisfies me, that fills me, is to do the work of my Father, do the will of my Father. And so I hope that what you find this year, that what is going to satisfy you far more than a job or relationships or pleasures or comfort, What's going to fill you up is doing the will of God, is walking out his mission in this world. And so what we see, the Bible portrays this mission, is, and you see it in the broad scale of, of the story of the Bible, is right that the story of the Bible can be broken into four compartments. It's creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Right? We believe that God created everything. He spoke by the word of his power, and everything was made that has been made, invisible and visible, and all of it was very good. It was extremely good. It brought him pleasure and joy because of its goodness. But because of man's rebellion, man choosing to push back and say, I know better than you, God. I am a better God than you are. There's been brokenness and sin has entered and spread through this world. And so that is what God is doing by redeeming. And you you see it from the very beginning. It's not man's agenda to redeem. It's God's agenda to redeem. God is the initiator in restoring this world. 
And so he comes forth, and at the very beginning, Genesis, he slaughters a lamb, and he clothes Adam and Eve because of their rebellion. They realize their nakedness. And in the end, we believe that God's going to ultimately restore everything. But we're in this process right now, this redemption, this period where God is buying back what has been broken, and he's restoring it. He's healing it to be what it once was, to be good and whole and complete. And you and I, we get to join in this mission where we go forth and we help reach those who are far from God. Right? It, it, you have people all around you in your family, in your neighborhood, your workplace that are far from God. Their, their, their biggest problem isn't their finances. It's not their house. It's not their relationships. Their biggest problem is that they are separated from God. And so God has placed us there to, to be the means to reach them. But not only do we reach them and hope that they are converted to Christianity or they become Christians, but we want God to restore them, right? And this is this process of discipleship where God doesn't simply just save us from our sin, but he restores us, right? He makes us whole through his spirit so that we become full human beings created in the image of God. And that's what Jesus exemplifies. And so he restores us. But listen, the process isn't finished by God just restoring us because disciples that don't make disciples aren't being disciples, right? Disciples that don't make disciples aren't being disciples. And so God doesn't simply want us to reach and to restore, but he wants us to reproduce. And so if, and if you and I, if we stop at just saying, well, that person's come to know Christ and we don't help them to go and to reach and to restore others, then we have missed the mission. We have fought, we've, we've sold it short and we're going to miss out on the joy and the fruits that God has for us in this life. And so God wants us to be the means to reach, to restore, and to help reproduce that same desire within others. And man, praise the Lord that we're not the ones that are ultimately doing it, that his spirit will do these things in and through us. But how do we do this, right? How do we accomplish the mission of helping to reach and to restore people? Because sometimes it's intimidating, right? I mean, when we come to this and you think, I got to share the gospel with people. Well, how do I do that? You know, some of us are saying, hey, I'm really introverted. So like even starting a conversation with somebody new is like, I give myself, you know, like a chocolate cookie and five stars, you know, like I, I should get a congratulations for just bringing up, you know, saying hello. So like sharing the gospel is very intimidating for, for some of us. Other of us, we need to slow down and actually build a relationship because we run in and we just open our big mouths, you know, and we just can't stop talking. And so how is it that we, we, accomplish the mission of God by reaching and restoring what has been lost and broken. And for us, this is one way of doing it, but we think that this is a very clarifying way and one that we see in the scriptures of how God has reached and restored this broken world, and it's through blessing it. Right? You read in Genesis 12, 2 through 3, the very beginning with Abraham, the father of faith, God has just called Abraham and he says, leave everything that you know and I'll go you to a land, I'll, I'm going to give you a land that I'll show you later on. You don't see it right now. It's not something that's on a map and I'm telling you to go to. You just start walking and eventually when you get there, I'll tell you. And so he calls Abraham and he says this in verse two, he says, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God took Abraham for himself, and he says, you are mine. And he blessed him. 
right? And what does that mean to, to bless, right? It means that he encouraged him, that he increased him, that he, ultimately it means that God gave himself to him. He entered into covenant with him. He, he did all these things to Abraham. Why? Not so that Abraham would say, man, life's good. I'm grateful that I've got all these things, right? It didn't just stop with Abraham. He says, I'm blessing you in order that you might in turn be a blessing. You see, if, if he doesn't reproduce the blessing, if, he, if simply the blessing stops with him, then it's not accomplished what it was intended to. That it was intended to go to him, that it might go through him into other people. And so he says, I've blessed you in order that you might be a blessing. And that is exactly what God does with us, is that he blesses us. He encourages us. He gives us his spirit, right? Sometimes he will bless us with relationships or with intellect and gifts. Sometimes it's financially. God blesses us in all kinds of ways, not that we would be hoarders of them, but instead that we would be good stewards and distributors of them. And he says, I have blessed you that you might be a blessing. And so what we've done, and we did not uh, come up with this. This has been something that was passed on to us uh, from several churches that have done this, but it really struck a chord with us, is that BLESS is an acronym that stands for missional practices. These are daily disciplines or weekly disciplines that you can bring into your life that will help you accomplish the mission of God. And so the first one, the one that we'll focus more on today is begin in prayer. Right, that we start the mission with God by seeking the presence of God and the guidance of God in our lives. And then the next thing is that we listen. Right, what a novel concept, that we should listen to the people that we're seeking to reach. Right, we should understand who they are and what's going on in their life. And so intentional listening is the second missional practice. The next one, which might be my favorite, is eating. <laughs> is that we eat, we invite people into fellowship, into conversation through a meal, that there is something that is unique and special about sharing the life-giving substance of food with other people. And then we serve. Based on listening and prayer and eating, we find ways that we serve them. And after serve comes share. Is as we do these things, we share our story we share how God has changed our life and what he has done for us because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And we share the good news of God. And so our challenge is that we would understand in the next five weeks, we're going to look at each one of these, is that we would learn to not just understand, but to live out these missional disciplines, that God would use these to change us. They did a, a study um, there's an e-book that I read through, uh, and uh, Mark Russell was quoted in this book, and he had written another book called Missional Entrepreneurs, and he did a study uh, in Thailand with missionaries of converters versus blessers, right? And, and the study was basically there were two distinct missional strategies. One group of missionaries said that we're going into the country, and our sole goal is that we are going to convert people to Christianity. We're going to share the gospel, but as far as social good, as far as serving— you know, that's secondary. That's not as important to us. We're simply going to try to evangelize and reach people for Jesus. The other group, the blessers, right, they came in and said, absolutely, we want to reach people that are far from God, but we are going to do it through blessing them. We are going to bless people through loving them, through serving them, through doing whatever we can in the community to demonstrate that. You know, the study found, it was very interesting, the study found that the converters did barely any social good. And the blessers did lots of social good in the community. And the irony is that the converters won two people to Jesus, while the blessers won 50 people to Jesus. So, was it 100? 
I think it was 100, yeah, it was 50 times. So it was 100. So the blessers had 50 times more fruit than the converters. And so I think it's just a very interesting thing to note that the mission is better accomplished when we take a blessing mindset in our missional strategy. When we understand, and this is what God has done, is that he gives himself to us. Right? Paul says, I've become so very desirous of you that I decide not only to share the gospel of God with you, but my very self, having become so very dear to me. And so blessing is this, it's a giving of ourselves, and it just is a way to clarify what it looks like to give ourselves. Imagine, imagine what your life would look like if, as you embrace these. How your relationships would change, how your purpose would be reoriented, is if each day you woke up and you thought about who it is it that God is calling me to bless. Who is it he's calling me to pray for? Who is it that I can listen to intentionally? Who is it that he's maybe inviting me into uh, to relationship to eat together? Who is God calling me to serve? And how is it I can share my story? And how would it reorient your life and change the relationships that you're in and, and the purpose of those relationships? I think it would change your whole community. And I'm excited because this is a journey that we get to take together. You know, I'm excited as God does this in our fellowship, in our midst, that as he changes how we live and the purpose for which we live. And so the first thing that we're going to go through today is we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about be, begin in prayer. And so if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead. It's going to be up here, but um, there are Bibles in your seats or you can grab your phone. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, as we talk about beginning in prayer. And hopefully you guys, I know Colin talked about this in Bible study, but there's, each of you should have gotten a bookmark as you came in. Um, if you don't, Rob has those in the back. And so if you need them, please go ahead and signal. But these are going to be one of the things that we use. This is going to be our application. Um, so I see hands up. Um, this is going to be our application. As you can see, this has all the acronyms on it, and each week you're going to get one, but on the back it has some clarification about each of the topics that we're talking about, right? So it has begin in prayer, and it kind of talks about, um, and we'll, we'll talk about this at the end, but I wanted to make sure that you had this on the front side before we kind of dug in a little bit. But you're, over the next five weeks, uh, you're going to get these, and so this is super helpful. I hope you keep these together, maybe keep them in your Bible or put them in a place where you're going to see them because these are going to help clarify how we accomplish each of these um, missional goals, missional disciplines. So Colossians 4, chapter 2 through 6, or verse 2 through 6. Paul says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you may know how you ought to answer each person. So the big idea that is going to guide us as we kind of break down this passage a little bit more um, is that God's mission, God's mission in this world is to bless others and that we begin that mission in partnership with him through prayer. Right? That God's mission is to bless this world and that we begin 
our partnership with him in that mission through prayer. And so I'm just going to answer three questions um, in this. But um, first, what is prayer? Why do we begin in prayer? And how is it that we pray? Right? So what is prayer? Why do we begin in prayer? And how is it that we pray? So first, um, what is prayer? And prayer, I think, can be broken into two things. First, prayer is communion with God, and it's communication with God. Right? It's communion with God and communication with God. And I think the, the, the emphasis is on the first one, is that prayer is primarily communion with God. You know, oftentimes we think of prayer as simply an exchange that we're talking to God, and that's important because we are. We're talking to God. But prayer is the means through which we are with God, through which we're made like him. Communion, it means to be unified with. It means to be brought into oneness with God. And this is so important because we're not going to be able to do the mission unless we're made like the one who has carried out the mission. If we're not made like God, then we're not going to have the mindset, the understanding. We're not going to have the power to do what he's called us to do. Who you're with, who you spend time with, who you open your heart to, that's who you become like. And I remember in high school, my parents always warned me, don't hang around that person, right? And they'd always kind of like guard me. Hey, don't hang around that friend. And I'd be like, why? They're fun. You know, they're all right. And they knew what parents, most people know now, is that, listen, you hang around that person long enough, you're going to start taking on their habits, right? Bad company corrupts good morals. And so they were like, hey, be careful. You see the same thing in marriage, you know? I mean, I know I've shared this before, but I entered into marriage, and all of a sudden I started rolling my eyes before, you know? I never rolled my eyes before, but now I start rolling my eyes all of a sudden. I'm like, what's going on? And you, you start taking on the characteristics of who you spend time with, you know? <laughs> Sorry. I love you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So you start you start taking on the characteristics of who you spend time with, right? You start you start becoming more and more like them. I mean, Emily learned some five dollar you know theological words. Dispensationalism is her favorite word now, you know. And so you you learn things about one another, and you become like each other. And that's one of the primary reasons that God desires that we would spend time with Him in prayer. Is you understand that when I when you spend time with the Lord in prayer, you become more patient. You become more kind. You become more loving. God, God imparts his character into your life. And so how is it that we think that we can get these things on our own? That we think all of a sudden we're going to wake up one day and we're going to be patient and we're going to be disciplined? Like, why don't we think that we're going to get those things from the one who, who created them, who is the origin of them? And so we, we come in prayer to commune with God to be with him, that we might be like him. But the second part is that we come to communicate with him, right? Is that we want to hear from him and we want to talk to him. Is that there is no relationship that will ever survive without communication, right? Healthy communication, good communication is, I'd say, one of the top, if not the top key to a healthy relationship. You talk about a friendship or your marriages and you stop talking for a couple weeks, how do you think you're going to be doing? All of a sudden, you're going to start thinking, man, they don't like me. You're going to start, you're going to start projecting all these ideas about them, right? And they're probably doing the same thing about you, you know? And so you've got to break down the relationship simply because you stop talking or you, you talk and you talk infrequently, right? You know, you, you just talk in passing and it, you communicate, right? You, you communicate 
by your lack of communication or by your broken communication. What is your communication with God saying about your relationship? What is it declaring about how you and the Lord are doing? And because God desires that we are not healthy outside of our relationship with Jesus. And I, I don't know, I have to learn it over and over again. I don't know about you, but it's like each time I'm like learning it afresh, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm really, I'm sick. And my, my, my healthy part is Jesus. And so if I leave the one that's healthy, I'm going to be sick again. You know, like I'm not going to, I'm not, apart from abiding to him, there is no good in me. I will not produce fruits. And it's true, the same thing is true for you. But we forget it. And God has to teach it to us over and over. Thank, thank the Lord that he's patient, right, man? Like, I'd give up on me by now. I'd be like, man, this dude's not going to learn. You know, but thank the Lord that he is patient with us, that he's slow to anger, bounding in compassion and loving kindness. And so he wants us to come and to talk to him. And there's healing in that. When I come and when I've prayed through my day, there's so much more confidence in approaching the day. I have so much more confidence in the, the tasks that I'm doing because I've laid them before the Lord. It doesn't mean they always wind up like I thought, but it means that I have more confidence in approaching them because I've laid them down before the Lord. But prayer isn't simply about talking either. It's not simply us just verbally vomiting on God. right? Although, listen, the Lord can take it. And there are times where we just need to do that. But prayer is also about us learning to listen to God, about us learning to hear his voice and to discern his will. One of the things that we should learn to do more in prayer is that we pray through reading the scriptures as well. God has spoken to us through his word. And so as we're praying, we need to understand that God is speaking to us, not just through his spirit, which he does, absolutely. God still speaks to us through his spirit. But oftentimes, his spirit will use his word, and he'll convict us and he'll lead us. And so that's why prayer and reading our Bible come hand in hand is that as we're reading the Bible, it leads us to prayer to God, and God speaks again through his word. And so we prayer is communion with God, and it's communication with God, both talking and listening. And for some of us, this is hard, right? Because we're used to talking, but we're not used to listening. And so we have to learn to be still. We have to learn to be silent. We have to learn to fight against everything that our culture has indoctrinated us into. Is it? Being still is, seems uh, sometimes an impossibility with all the demands and all the obligations we have in life. But if we're not able to be still, we'll never really be able to hear God's voice and operate in power. And so what is prayer? Prayer is communion with God and it's communication with God. The second thing that we learn is, uh, is why do we begin with prayer? Why do we begin with prayer? Well, I think the biggest thing, and everything falls underneath this, is we begin in prayer because we're not God. I think that's a pretty good reason, um, is that we didn't create everything, and we're not all powerful, and we're not all knowing, and so we've got some pretty big limitations that we're facing, And but we know someone who doesn't have those limitations. So it would be a good idea for us to call on the one that doesn't have limitations when we're facing limitations. And so we call on God because we are dependent upon him. Right? We are not all-sufficient, but we call on the one who is all-sufficient. And that's why I think prayer sometimes is the hardest thing. For me, prayer is probably the biggest area that I struggle in my disciplines. I feel like reading the Bible comes much easier, and, and prayer sometimes seems so much more difficult because I think that prayer is a declaration of our inadequacy. 
It's a declaration, and it, it screams that we can't, but that he can. And it fights against sin, right? I mean, doesn't it? Because everything in our sin nature, it declares that I am able, I will do, I can accomplish, right? I, what do I need God for? And prayer, at its very basis, says, God, I can't do this unless you're in it. I can't do this unless you go before me. And so prayer strips us of our pride. It strips us of our arrogance, of our sufficiency, and it makes us depend upon God. And I think this is, for me, this is why it's so difficult, is because it says that it's better that God would work than that I would work. And do we believe that? Do, I mean, do we really believe that it's actually better that God would work and that I would spend 10 minutes in prayer rather than going and trying to actually do something? Because listen, God's going to call us to act. This is not a, a, a saying, listen, we don't act, but the first act that we're called to do is to be still. The first act we're called to do is to lean upon the Lord and then to trust that he will lead us in what the next steps look like. And so dependency upon God, and this looks like three things. Dependency upon God because it's his mission and for his power and for his knowledge. Right? The first thing we need to realize that when we're praying to God is it's not our mission. It's his mission. And we see this in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, right? I mean, the Great Commission, he talks about it, he says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, Jesus started the mission. We didn't. Jesus initiated it. He is the one that made disciples. He is the one that is ushering in God's kingdom. And so you and I, we're not going to be able to do the mission unless we partner with him, unless we see him. We're not going to have the understanding of what to do or where to go. We're not going to even understand it unless we first partner with the one who is, not only did he start it, but he's going to continue it. Right? When he gave his Holy Spirit, he said, I'm giving my Holy Spirit that he would continue the work that I have started. But it would, it would be even greater because it's going to happen through all of you. It's not just going to be through my physical limitation, but the Holy Spirit will empower the entire church and mobilize them to go forth and to carry the mission of making disciples, of restoring, of reaching those that are far from God and restoring them, of seeing God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so we see this again in Luke 10, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Jesus sends us on mission. He, he already ex- like exemplified the mission, right? And so we first, before we go on, we have to be in the scriptures. We have to see how Jesus did the mission. How did Jesus reach people that were far from God? How did he restore them? We can't approach people like cookie cutters. I mean, you look at John 3 and how Jesus encounters this religious man, Nicodemus. And you read in John 4 how he encounters this this prostitute-like woman from Samaria. And he treats them very differently. We can't approach people as cookie cutters. And so we need to look and see how did Jesus approach people? How did he reach them? How did he love them? How did he know how to approach them with the gospel, with the good news of God? And we learn from him. And this is what he did with his disciples is that they learned from him, and then they went out and did what he taught. In Luke twelve thirty two, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You see, God wants to give us the kingdom. He wants to give us the mission. The question is, are we willing to embark on it? God calls every Christian to be a missionary. 
calls every single one of us into, into purpose. The question is, are we going to embrace that? Or are we going to stay stagnant and stay where we're at? Are we willing to sacrifice? So we begin with prayer because we want to partner with him in his mission. The next thing is that because we need his power, right? Matthew, well, we saw in the Great Commission, he says, all authority and power on heaven and earth has been given to me. And so we know that, that our source of power isn't in our strength, it's in God's. And so we go to him for strength, for power. In Matthew uh, 16, 18, he says, and I tell you, you are Peter on this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We go to prayer and we remember that though it might look at times as if Satan is winning, as if this world is, is in utter darkness and is not able to be brought to light, but we remember that God is stronger than the forces of darkness, that he's stronger than what is in this world, that he can overcome what is hindering and what is hurting you. That the gates of hell are not going to stand against the prevailing of his church and of his kingdom. Man, that is... That is something to celebrate. That is good news, especially when you're downhearted, especially when you're frustrated, especially when you don't see fruit. Because listen, God is going to bring fruit at different times in your life in different seasons. Sometimes it's extremely discouraging. And you need to hang on to God's word. And you need to remember that, listen, though circumstances might seem to say otherwise, God's word proves true. And ultimately, he will prevail. His church and his kingdom will expand. He will come back and he will restore. We do this... In prayer, because remember that we can't save. And there is nothing in us that can rescue someone else. I mean, any more than you can go to a grave and you can tell someone, arise. Right? There's no power within us. But we believe that we know the one who has power. And so what you and I do is that we're called to introduce people to Jesus. We're not called to be the ones that save them. And so for some of us, this, this is a reality check because it says you're not God and you can't save everybody. And it means that you need to rely more on the Lord and that you need to be patient. Because some of us, we feel like it's our job, it's our duty and that we have to save the world. And we need to remember that, listen, we are called to partner with God in his saving work because he's the one that saves. And so we remember that God has the power to save. And so we bring people, we introduce people to the one that has the ability to rescue them. We can't rescue them. The next thing is that we seek God in prayer because of his knowledge. Each day, and and this is the missional practice, each day wake up and ask God to send people into your life and to to begin to expect he will. God is going to send people into your life and, and start saying, maybe these are divine appointments. Maybe these are people that God has put in my life to bless, to pray for, to listen to, to, to serve, to, to share Start each day like that, and you'll be amazed at how often God places people in your life. I remember Jimbo sharing a, a story about, uh, I think it was Harley, right? It was that, uh, that was just praying, I think was, uh, was asking God, and the Lord sent Jimbo and I think a, another gentleman, right, who was it? Carlos, right into his life at the exact right moment. And all of that because of prayer, because of a divine appointment, because God at that moment had chose to put them together. And you see, if we're not in prayer, oftentimes we don't even see it, right? If we're not seeking the Lord, then there are times where we blow past the whole opportunity. Then we turn around and we're like, that was an opportunity. And we miss it. Prayer alerts us and it helps us to be aware. But also it helps us to spend our time wisely. 
Do you know that there are people that God might not call you to? In Acts 16, Paul's going along. And you've got to know Paul's heart, right? Paul is, is, he is hungry to reach people for the gospel. I mean, this guy is willing to be stoned, dragged out of the city, think that he's dead, and then go back into the city. I mean, like, he's crazy for Jesus. And, uh, and so he's, he's not ashamed. He's ready to reach people. But there are times that the Spirit of the Lord prevented him from going places. There are times and people where God said, no, don't go there and don't spend your time there. And think, Jesus intentionally chose 3 and 12 and 70, right? There were times, I mean, and he prayed, right? He went up and he fasted and he prayed. He got with the Father and the Father told him, these are the 12 that you are to spend your life into. And so if we're not praying, if we're just haphazardly spending our time on anybody that comes our way, then we might not be a good steward over the time that God's given to us and over the talent and the resources. And we not and that person might not be ready for it. And we don't understand exactly why that is. But we know that, I mean, I'll read it, Acts 16, 6 through 10. It's talking about Paul going. It says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. There are times where God is going to forbid you at this time to speak to someone or that he's going to close a door, an opportunity, and it's not going to make sense. There's times where the Lord's done that and it doesn't make sense in the moment, but we have to trust and rely because God wants us to spend our time as he would lead. And so we have to seek God in prayer if we're to have discernment about where we are to go and who we're to spend time with. So we've looked at what is prayer, why we're called to begin in prayer, because we are utterly dependent that we need his power, we need his direction, that we need to understand his mission. And then the last one is, how is it that we are to pray? And this is four things. That we are to pray first steadfastly. And you see this in verse 2. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer. And that means that we don't give up on prayer. It's easy at times to go into a season where we're good for a couple days, and then we kind of get out of it. I know, I Started working out probably about like three months ago, and I got a really good kick. I was like in the gym for like two months, and I was really excited because I started to feel healthy. Then I got hurt and was kind of out of it, and now all the benefits have kind of like drained. I'm like, I'm not near as strong as I was, all these things. So I'm like, all right, I got to be in that. And listen, God calls us to be consistent in these prayers because it develops this intimacy and relationship. It doesn't mean that all is lost because we've stopped, but man, there's so much more strength and continuity and guidance and movement as we continue in prayer, as we're steadfast in it. And this is what Jesus talks about. And I think it's Luke 18. He talks about the persistent widow. Right? There's this widow that is in need of justice, and there's an, a corrupt judge. And this widow, she's like, uh, she's feisty. Right? She's not giving up. 
And so she, uh, she's like, listen, even though this judge is unjust, even though he's wicked and he's evil, I'm going to get my way. I'm, I'm not giving up. And so she goes and she keeps knocking on his door over and over and over again. And she wears the judge down. Right? I mean, eventually the judge is like, oh my gosh, this woman's not going to leave. Like, all right, listen, like, I don't even want to do what you're doing, but I just want you to leave me alone. And so he goes and he gives her what she wants. She finally gets justice because of her perseverance, because of her steadfastness. And Jesus says, be like that woman in prayer. Like, be annoying, be go, be persistent, keep knocking, keep asking, keep wearing down. He says, listen, how much more is God going to answer his elect? How much more will he give justice to them speedily? And so God calls us to be persistent. He loves it. He's developing this character of this steadfastness, of this persistence, that we're not going to give up, that we're going to continue to hound, we're going to continue to knock, trusting and knowing that God has a plan and God has a purpose. Listen, God might not answer in all the ways that we think he's going to answer, but God always answers. Sometimes the answer is no, but at least it clarifies. And sometimes the answer is wait, and sometimes that's hard. But God always answers. The question is, are we listening? So we are to be steadfast in prayer. The next thing it says is that we are to be watchful in prayer, right? Being watchful in it. What does that mean? It means that we shouldn't be falling asleep in our prayers, Right? I mean, you see those disciples. And so this is one of the hard things I have about waking up early in the morning with prayer. You gotta get some coffee. You gotta do something. I gotta work out. You know, like I gotta get awake because I feel like I'm the disciple sometimes. Like Jesus is calling me to pray and I'm like drowning out. You know, God wants us to be watchful in prayer. Right? And that's what he called the three. In his hour of greatest need, Jesus is going. He's seeking the Father and he tells him, He says, Please be here and pray with me. And he comes back and he finds him. And they're asleep. He's like, come on, guys. Like, I need you to pray with me. And so they wake up. They start praying for a little bit. Then they pass out again. They fall asleep. And God wants us to be watchful. He wants us to be alert, right? And so one of the things that is, when are you alert in the day that you can actually physically be in prayer? Right? I believe that it's important that we put the Lord first, right? And sometimes that looks like the first thing of the day. But I also think that means what is the best of your day, right? When is the, the time and area that you can be most attentive and devote yourself to the Lord? Watchfulness also means, though, not just simply physical alertness, but it means discernment. Right? It means trying to, to discern and figure out that we're, we're to, to test, right? I mean, in Romans 2, it talks about that we would test and discern what is the perfect will of God. And so watchfulness means that we're looking around our lives and we're seeing how God is at work. We're seeing how God is answering prayers. Or do we have that expectation do we pray and then say, well, I've done my prayer time, I'm gone, and we move on throughout our day? Or do we pray and then we're continuing that conversation and we're watchful throughout our day? We're watching and we're seeking to see how is it that God is moving? Where is it that he's working that we would join him? And so we're called to be watchful in our prayer. And then we're called to be thankful. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, it talks about it, it says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I think the biggest way that you and I are joyful is by being thankful. I think I firmly believe that that the jo- the key to joy is thankfulness. Is that when you come to God and you recount the ways that He has worked in your life and the good gifts that He has given, how He's changed you, how can your heart not well up with gratitude, with thanksgiving? And that protects us. And that protects us from a culture and from coworkers and friends that, that want to complain, that want to constantly criticize, that we're called to stand out as lights in this dark world 
by choosing to be thankful and exemplifying that through joy. And that happens in prayer. God is the God of all joy. And he wants to impart that joy through helping us to realize and be thankful for the gifts he's given. And then the next thing is that we are to be intentional with our prayers. Right? Is that notice what Paul says. He says, I intentionally pray for me that a door might be opened. Right for the gospel, for the mystery of God to be proclaimed. And so he says that we are praying intentionally. We don't just pray haphazardly. And so, listen, yeah, there are times where I think it's wise. Just pray and the Spirit will lead you in prayer. But I think it's also important that you be disciplined in prayer. Listen, write things down. It's okay. It's okay to be organized. You know, and so it's, I think that that balances it. There are times where the Spirit's just going to lead, but I think it's also important that we are intentional with praying through things, praying through the Scriptures, looking at the Scriptures and their prayers, using that as a guidance to, to, to pray for others. But we are to pray for the gospel to advance in our lives and others' lives. And notice he, he says that doors might be opened. And so I think that that's one of the things that we need to be asking in your coworkers, in your neighborhood, ask God, please, would you open up doors? Would you open up relationships that I might proclaim the mystery of the gospel? And he says, and two things is that we're, we're to pray for our boldness. Pray that you would be bold. If you're going to pray for yourself, right, pray that you, would, that you and I, that we would be bold and that we would have clarity to speak the gospel out clear in an understandable way. Right, those are two amazing prayers. If you want to start the new year off praying for yourself and praying for others, pray those prayers. Pray that we would be bold enough to where we wouldn't care what people would think of us and that we would be willing to be fools for Jesus, that we wouldn't be ashamed of the gospel and that God would help us to have the words to make it evident, to make it known what he has done for us. Not only this, but he says that we would Pray that we would be wise in how we use our time. All right. Look in verses 5. He says, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Which I invite you to pray through your calendar. Some of you, this is very easy. You're very detailed, and you like, you're meticulous in your calendar. Others of you are like, What's a calendar? You know, like, I, you know, I mean, like, when it comes up, I do it. Like, I would, I would at least, everybody has ideas of what they do on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis. And, I, man, what is taking the majority of your time? Where do you spend your free time? Pray through that. Would you use your time wisely? Some of us, we, we maybe use our finances wisely. Maybe we think our relationships wisely, but we don't use our time very wisely. We spend it on entertainment frivolously. We spend on selfish pursuits. We don't think about our time as a, a limited resource. We think it's unlimited, and it's not. And so what I advise you to, to pray through your schedule, pray through your time, and use it wisely with wisdom towards outsiders. And so as we close, as we go into our, our final prayer, the, the application for me and, and for you is that I want you to think about um, what are three people in your life that are far from God? He says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. He's meaning non-believers. And if we're to be in missional, if we're to be people of mission, on mission, then we need to be around people that are far from God. And so who is it? Do you have a group? Do you have a community that you know that is far from God? And listen, for some of you, this might be harder than others. I'm a pastor. I spend most of my time around Christians, you know? And so for me, like it, I have to be very intentional with my time. I have to intentionally like, so for me, it's my neighborhood and it's usually basketball. Like those are usually the two places 
most of the time that I'm going to encounter non-Christians. And so those are my mission fields. And so for me, I'm praying for, I have a group of guys in our neighborhood as well as in basketball that I'm praying through and I'm praying for. And so what I, what I want you to do is as we worship, just allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. I want you to write down, what are three people that are far from God that don't have a relationship with Christ that you're going to commit to pray for this year? That, that, that when this begin in prayer, when it pops up, that you're going to say, listen, I'm going to be the one that I'm going to fight for them and I'm going to begin in prayer because I think that God's going to, I want God to use me to bless them because he's blessed me. And so just trust the Holy Spirit will lead you. He'll guide you names. And listen, maybe for you it starts with saying, I don't, I, don't have a, I don't know where that is. And maybe you just need to pray, instead of those three names, you need to pray and ask God, where's my mission field? Where is it that you would call me? Where is it that you've given me passion and you've given me a desire that intercedes with people that aren't Christians? And how can we rub shoulders? Right? Maybe that's a sport. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's something. But you need to have a mission out in your neighborhood out in the world somewhere where you're rubbing shoulders. And so maybe that's what you need to do is just write and say, God, I want to I wanna be a part of your mission in this world. And so show me where, where that is. So I love you guys, and I'm super excited for this. In my life, you know, I know that God's going to change me uh, and, and our neighborhood, and I'm excited to see what God does in and through you and your neighborhoods and your families and your workplaces because if we are open, he will. He'll change us, and he'll change this community let us pray. Father, we love you. Um, we we want to come to you, God. We're excited and passionate, Lord, about what it is that you're going to do. And so help us, Lord, as we um, join you in mission, let us begin with prayer. Let us just declare that we can't, but you can. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work and you would put people on our hearts and minds that we would commit to pray for. God, if someone prayed for us, if someone, someone committed to us, someone spoke the gospel to us, God, let us not be selfish and let us not stop with us, Lord, but let us As we were blessed, Lord, let us be a blessing. And we love you and we praise you. It's all in your beautiful name we do this, Jesus. Amen.